of reason we are now going on season three episode two my name is andy van bever that is travis kirkendall and we are the voice of reason and uh, we do our best to make your life just a little bit uh happier nicer enjoyable by talking about doom and gloom and Foreign policy wars and, 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 and money collapsing and all the fun stuff we've got. Right. I mean, what would be what would be the point if we couldn't you just suppose. bring a little light into your life, and you know, <laughs> and, and and just help you get through the day that way? But uh, no, hey, we are glad to be back. Um, our buddy Sean is actually taping. I believe they're doing an episode of the wrestling show tonight. I think. Is that what they were? T- I said he was. He said I think he was, that's what he's working on. I know they're filming something. They're filming. They're something. filming. Yes, they're filming something. They're filming something. Um, but uh, anyway, this has been so. We're all here. We're 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 busy bees. We're here. We're working, but uh, we're here to serve you and do our weekly therapy session to get things out. Uh, thank you for everybody who. Uh, tuned in on all of our reels this week. Not as many as our first week because I'm, I must say this, Travis, I, and I didn't share with you guys in the group chat, but we were called liberals and fear mongers and, and, and mis, misinformation uh, about uh, everything. You know, when we talked about Tucker Carlson and that's what's wrong, wrong with all you liberals today. And I was like, wow, us liberals? You what guys... was it specifically that, like, why did we, what was specific from that episode that they call us the liberals? Uh, well, if I, if I go, so it was out? the, so the, the TikTok that I, the, the TikTok that I posted, let me go to it real quick here. Um, which one was it here? Uh, so the chat, some of the chat, so (laughs) it said, first of all, guy, guy said, uh, the guy said, Tucker is still under contract. Get your facts straight. And then it was, it was the, it was the comment that Sean made about, uh, to these, to the extreme right their their, their order of preferences, Tucker Carlson, the Don and Jesus Christ almighty. And then somebody said, wrong, God, family, country, get it right, libtards. I think he, that guy was just trolling. He had it in his trolling. And then, and then another one says, get a life. You people can't stop your hate and are the real problem. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, we're the real problem. Hey, that's, that's what the show's all about, though, is stirring the pot. We're the, we're, I, I love it that we're the real problem. We're the real problem. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, that's funny. So, so we're 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 stirring the pot up. We're we're getting it, you know, all all good and all good and juicy out there. Uh, there our buddy Colby Colby Coleman's on. Good evening, Colby. Good to see you there, pal. Um, the yeah. So we are yeah. We're 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 part of the. We're not part of the 
we're not part of the problem. We're or part of the solution. We're the problem. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, what he said. You know, we always say it, and I'll keep saying it. If you hear our TikToks or whatever content we put out, and you have a deferring opinion or whatever, we're the voice of reason. That we're we're here. If you have good facts and you have good conversation, like points that you want to make, we're we'll here. bring you on the show. We're Even if we don't agree with you, we're we'll here. bring you on the show and talk about it. Our buddy Michael Vincent, hello, Officer Vincent. Good to see you this evening. We are doing well. Um, no, but uh, you know that was, and, and you're right. That was part of the. That was going to be part of the risk of me, you know, putting more con. And, and this was something. This was one of our new recommendations that we were going to try this year was to put out more content through reels and through, uh, you know the um whatever whatever tiktoks and stuff like that so we're going to get those responses but you know we had like i said last week we had close to four thousand responses this week we were about uh 500 response or 500 views so views are views i take them um and people view our profile so i'll take it it's good yeah um, it's that's no, good exposure and then uh, one more thing fact check us yes if you get something wrong yes. please tell us fact like, we're not trying to spread misinformation by no, any like If we're wrong, no. Yes, us. if we're if we're wrong, please. We really do try to research stuff. Yes, definitely. And so, all of that being said, uh, we've had a very interesting week. I'm very excited. Tomorrow's my last track meet. Good to go. Um, I did uh, double do my injuries this week at my track meet last uh, Wednesday. I had a track meet last Wednesday after I got my medals there at Louisiana. I'm walking down the bleachers and I'm talking to another coach and I miss a bleacher and I fall down three steps or three, three bleacher levels. I'm like, boom, 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 boom. So, and then Saturday I fell off my attic ladder and fell onto my wrist and did a, a severe sprain. So I'm telling you what, I'm batting a thousand. I am, Jeez. I am ready. I'm just give me, the, just give me the, you know, give me the, the football helmet. And fully pad me up so I can go out in public. But other than that, um, I so you you got you had a fun weekend. It sounded like. Yeah, we were out uh, in Kansas City for my friend Reed's bachelor party, and it, it was a blast, man. I got to see some people I haven't seen in a while, and just had a really good time—a weekend of no responsibility and bad decisions. And it was, <laughs> I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Was it? Was it the Hangover Two or the Hangover Three? I mean, you woke up and you lost Reed. Uh, uh, no, wasn't quite that. Well, it was unique. Put it that way. It was. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it was a really man, good time. That's that's good stuff. I. So I'm looking forward. That's uh, I'm gonna. So I'll be meeting with the uh, the uh, bride and groom. Definitely got a little. It definitely was a little greasy. That's all I'll say. Reed knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Reed. So Reed, if you're if you're listening to us, pal, uh, you know you he usually does. He usually checks in <laughs> once in a while. So I I'll I'll leave that conversation to him, and let him figure out what's going on. But uh, no. So this week. It was time. I, I, the elephant in the room. Looking at, at uh, what, you know, talking talking about AI and all that fun stuff. And uh, this week, our our show title. I guess I need to look and make sure I know it. Uh, are we more intelligent with AI? So, are we more intelligent with AI? 
the the AI discussion. There is a lot out there, and there are a lot of different ways to go. So I'll just start with this. We'll just start basic. Travis, to your knowledge, what forms of AI do you have in your possession, in your home, anything like that, that you are aware of? Um, I mean, are we talking like artificial intelligence is like, just like, such as like applications on okay. your phone, things well, like that. Okay. Like, Do you have, okay. You are, are you, you're not an Apple guy. You are a. I'm Samsung. Yeah. So do you do the, do you say, okay, Google to your phone and then it does. No, I don't actually, I never take, use that stuff. I never cared for it. Um, Is there any particular reason why you didn't, you didn't, what was your thought and reason? Uh, I remember, well, when I, when I first started out that like, you could talk to like Siri and all that stuff, I just remember people having nothing but problems with it. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is stupid. I'm not going to sit there and talk to my phone and it always gets the wrong response or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's a lot better now. I just, I don't know. For me, it was just always kind of a silly thing. Um, you, but I, I can see the benefit of it for some people. Do sure. you have any smart appliances, lights, or anything like that in your home? Uh, no, actually, we don't. So if I say, so this is what I, Alexa, turn on the office lights. So I have that. Alexa, turn off the office lights. Yeah, I know you definitely have more stuff like that than I do. Sure. So we have... We have uh, we have the our thermostat. Um, I'm trying to think. I've got a light, except in the kitchen and the dining room. We have lights that are controlled by Alexa in in various parts of the house. Um, we have, of course, we. I mean, Google Search is technically a form of AI. Yeah. narrow AI. And so I use that all the time. So we, yeah. so we, so we have we have AI on a limited level in our in our lives. Um, some of the research that I had, you know, some of the just some of the basic basic points about AI um, when you look at the uh, history of it. Okay, so how long? Just give me a guesstimate. Yeah, I don't know if you read any of the things that I sent, but when do you think the first work on AI began? If I, oh, if you were wow. say, if you were say a decade, when could you say? When do you think? When would you say it began? I'm gonna say the sixties. But I want to say, does this go back to like beginnings of like the computer and stuff like that? Or yeah. Just like so, okay, so this was a long time ago. Go, go ahead. So the beginning of AI got its start in the actually in in the fifties, okay. And it was I don't want to get the guy's name right. Hold on a second here. The first, the first artifact, you know, so you can say the mid 20th century. So 1950, there was a computer scientist who was named, guy by the name of Arthur, or Alan Turing, okay? And he proposed what was called the Turing test. And I'm just reading this. As a way to measure a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to that of a human. And that was the first milestone, Okay. So the 50s and the 60s were considered to be the birth of AI, 
okay? Um, and some of the early stuff was about, you know, playing, how to respond, you know, it was mathematical programming and how to respond to certain situations like a game. Okay, so we're going to play, the first game that, it, that AI really learned how to play was chess, okay? So during, so during the 70s and the 80s, from what my, my researchers showed, is that, that's what they called the winter of AI, okay? And, but part of the reason why AI was so limited in the beginning, okay, was memory. Because a computer at the time, you, you got to realize that a computer of this size back in the 50s would take up a massive amount Ridiculous. of space. Ridiculous <laughs> amount of space. And one of the sites, and I thought that it was really unique, one of the sites that I looked at, I believe it was that Alan Turing, he, he was limited in his research because, number one, there was no funding. I, IBM had their, I forgot what the name of the computer was called, but um, NASA had one, and I, the, uh, what was it called, the Rand Institute Research and, and Development Group had one, and it, to use this computer for, I think for, a, it was either a week or a day, was $200,000. To to do it, okay, so... So what you're programming into this computer is mathematical probability, okay? But it could not contain enough memory to generate a response. So your early AI was limited to type in, type in the command, generate the response, okay? So, and I'll, and I'll say this. So my first interaction with AI... And I remember it quite well because when I, when we when we got into sixth grade, we had what was called we had computer lab day. Now our computer our computer lab was limited. <laughs> what did that to, look like back then? So we had the computers that we had were called Commodore sixty fours. Okay. Well, I gotta look this Co up. <laughs> well, yeah, do it, do it, do an image search of a Commodore sixty four. Okay. And everybody wanted this one computer, this one Commodore sixty four that had. I can't remember if it was floppy disk or if it was tapes. What are you seeing a picture of right now? Yeah, yeah. Look at that. So, a, so a Commodore, you know, I think I'd probably bring up a picture of one of myself here, but a Commodore sixty four that we had in our in our lab, you could let's see, get an image here so people at home can see what it looks like. What was like. that capable of doing back then? Like, Not what were you doing much. With well, okay, so Oregon Trail. So this is a good. This actually is a good picture right here. So the folks at home, if you're looking here in the bottom right-hand corner, you can see. So it had this. So you had your disk drive like this, okay? Now, this floppy. So the floppy disk, okay? You're talking about not a 1K disk, but a one meg disk. One meg. Okay. Basically, like I, you know. But so we had this, but then we had this program that it was called speech or text to speech. Now this again, this is so this is this would have been nineteen eighty 
six, 1986. And the, and the software was so expensive. I remember the, but the school thought it was, you know, so we got this and everybody, and we would, we would type out cuss words. So it would, the computer would cuss <laughs> to us and everything, you know? And I was like, we were such, we were such nerds, you know? Uh, oh, good. Oh no. My, my niece just came on. Hello, Rebecca Van Beber. And she said, well, of course, I'm more intelligent than AI. Um, Rebecca, that is, <clears throat> that's highly, highly debatable. But anyway. Damn. I know. But that was my first, that was my first interaction with AI. But so then you get into the, so the 90s. So then IBM in the 90s built this computer called Big Blue. I don't know if you remember this or not, but in 19, and I don't have my other notes in front of me, I think it was 1997. So uh, Big Blue played the world chess champion, Gary Kasparov. Okay. It was, I think it was 97, 99, somewhere in there. And he beat... Uh, the chess you said, the chess playing computer? Yeah. What, what year was that? Deep Blue. Deep Blue. Deep Blue. Uh, what year was uh, that? So... 1985 chip test a prototype of deep blue was created 1989 deep thought the successor of chip test defeats grandmaster bent larson mm -hmm. and then 1996 blue, deep blue plays its first match against world champion gary kasparov sparov yeah. and loses two to four yeah and then later on and then, okay 97 yeah defeats him in a rematch three 3.5, yeah. 2.5, becoming the first computer to beat a world champion in a classic chess match. So that in and of itself. Now, Gary Kasparov is, this is one of those guys who's off the level. If you read his biography, his bio, highly intelligent, you know, probably one of those 150, 160 IQ guys, okay? Off the chart guy, all right? At that moment, when you had AI... That was a crowning achievement for AI to say, we now can defeat a human, okay? So it was at that point that AI, beca humans became, we were no longer the top, in my opinion, at that point, and I've read, I've read a couple articles, at that point, we were no longer at the top of the food chain when it comes to, you know, and so you had some of these guys who were who were behind this, you know. One of the big one of the big so you, you there were big there were big funders for this. You had one that was called the Fifth Generation Computer Project, and then I I, I mentioned RAND, the Research and Development Corporation. Okay, and these guys together have put together probably close to, I would say close to. Between the two, probably over a billion dollars between the two of them. Okay, so you know, nineteen like I said, nineteen ninety seven. Gary, Gary Kasparov is defeated by Deep Blue. Now I find my notes. Um, so then, um, but now we're living in this age of big data. Okay, um, a film that we have mentioned on here. I've mentioned on here before that I believe everybody needs to watch is called The Social Dilemma, okay? This was a movie exposing 
what was going on within Facebook. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the Facebook folks aren't listening too close because, you know, they're one of our people who we broadcast on. But one of the things that came out on that through this, through this uh, documentary called uh, The Social Dilemma was how their algorithms worked to meet your needs on Facebook. So on your Facebook account, um, I'll again just ask you, Travis, what are, so when you turn on, when you turn on your, when you get on your Facebook, what do you generally mm-hmm. see? What, what, if you scroll down the page, what's some of the general things that you see? Well, um, I just opened it right now. Um, and typically this is what I see. So um, I'm part of a couple groups. So usually the groups pop up first. I'll see their stuff. Um, if there's certain brands that like I've looked up clothing on, like I got one here, like TYR Sport. I've been looking at some of their stuff, like some shoes. So I get an ad from them. Um, I, get, I see other people's stuff that maybe they shared or whatever. I'm looking at Voice of Reason right now here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's for me, it's mostly like it's either pages I follow and then I'll get ads from brands that I have looked at before. So, you know, there's that algorithm seeing, oh, hey, he likes this stuff. Let's show him more of it. Um, and then like stuff from friends. Yeah. But, so, and so when the social... And then book, a lot of reels and short stories. Right, pops right. Up that and I never I, signed up for so when I, so when I, when I did, um, when I watched this thing, the whole thing about how the AI worked with, um, with, within, within Facebook was really, and you said with, within the algorithm was really mind boggling. You know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has, has created Frankenstein in my opinion. And again, I love I love Facebook for the the fact that I'm able to keep up with friends and his whole thing about you know I mean the the idea originally was the idea of Facebook was originally created when he went to college was created it was a he created it as a as a um, a way to keep in touch with people on campus I forgot where it was that he went to 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 college at but he went to it was, he, he designed it as a platform to be able to to keep up with people, okay? As this as this developed, okay. So in 2018, so Mark Zuckerberg goes before Congress in 2018 because by the time Facebook really took hold, a lot of senators and a lot of congressmen were really concerned with. And, and you mentioned fact-checking before. Because a lot of what people see on Facebook is catered to their specific interests. Okay? If you allow Facebook to do it, it can track what site... I mean, it can track what sites you look at, you know, what you're looking at on Amazon, what you're looking... And I always tell people, you turn off, you turn off the the whatever it's called the data mining or whatever you want to call it on your phone when you get on Facebook because if you go to Google and I say okay and I'm going to go to Fox News and I and I click on you know Donald Trump scam or something like that okay 
the algorithm, the AI within Facebook then takes that and starts catering to say, okay, maybe we want to get him some more stuff about Donald Trump and how maybe they thought the election was stolen. So let's go with that. And then when you click on that, that is basically like a green light to that AI to say, okay, let's throw more stuff at him. And as you, as you throw stuff, as it throws more stuff at you and you click on it, that AI starts to learn you better. And you may, it may just take clicking on one, maybe one far right article. And then the, the algorithm adjusts to that. Okay. So what was, so what happened in 2018 when we talked about the 2016 election and how, you know, there was the talk of the Russian intervention in, in that election. Well, the Russians weren't really working for anybody in that election. They just were doing a lot of trolling on Facebook, creating these wildly just crazy stories to get the election to sway one way or the other. And mm-hmm. when they asked Mark Zuckerberg, Straight up, okay, what are, what are you going to do to fix the algorithm? And Mark Zuckerberg's response would be enough to scare anybody, okay? Because his comment basically was, we can't fix it. Because the AI is learning and growing and... It faster than we can keep up with it. Okay. So it's like saying, okay, Frankenstein, you know, Dr. Frankenstein has created this monster, you know, and I, I want to get his exact quote, but what, I mean, how frightening is that? That you, once you've created something, you can't control it. What, I mean, what does that say to you? Well, that's, I think that's the biggest fear around AI. Like, and, you know, Hollywood and, movie depictions can probably play a big role in that. I mean, we've all seen the matrix. I mean, that's the story of the matrix. I mean, we tried to stop the machines and the machines were able to outlive us. And, you know, everyone knows the story, but I I think it's, you know, Elon Musk had a really good take on it. I sent you that interview where he's like, I, he's like, I don't necessarily think there, there needs to be something in place to like, if we, if something was to get out of hand, we stop it, whether it's like, you know, whether it is shut the power off of whatever this thing is or whatever it's, um, there just needs to be some kind of type of control measures in place for it. And I think one of the biggest concerns, and I know he's spoken out about it and a lot of others have, is like, it's AI is growing at such a rapid rate and it's becoming more and more capable of stuff we didn't even imagine, but there's no real contingency plan to it. And there's no regulation. Like, let's look at like just AI and like the government and like, there's no regulation on AI to my knowledge. No. AI no. itself. This is an emerging technology and I don't I think we're still trying to play catch up and I don't even know if we're gonna get caught up. It's it just seems like it's growing at such a rapid pace. And I mean this whole chat GBT thing, it's it's not really so I was listening to Lex Friedman talk about this. It's not so much new, it's been a lot around a lot a while. He was saying the current model now that people are seeing, it's it's almost identical to what it was. They just made a few little changes to whatever it was, and that's how it became what it became. But I guess they're developing stuff that's like even 
greater than that. So and um, so let's talk about chat GPT for a little bit. Let's go into that realm for a little bit. So chat GPT, uh, if you're not aware, um, let me bring up. So I have on board, I was trying to, I've actually got it to where it can talk to us, but it, I, I couldn't get, but if I was, so this is, so let me transition over to this. So what you folks see here is, so this is chat GPT. This is done at on OpenAI's website. And I had this set up to where I could talk to it and ask it a question, but I don't, I don't think it's working. It's not working right now. But it, again, so if I just say, uh, let me ask a question. What is your primary purpose? And his response is, as an AI language model, my primary purpose is to assist and enhance human communication and problem solving by providing helpful and informative responses to the queries I receive. I can be used for a wide range of applications, such as answering questions, generating content, providing recommendations, offering customer service, and more. Now, so, real-life example that was used for me, okay? So I had a student this year. So if I say this, write a paper on federalism. Okay, so he's thinking about it. And so now, so here he goes. You're seeing this on your screen. And federalism is a system of government in which power is shared between central authority. Okay, so now it's generating for me an authentic. It's, it's generating an authentic paper. Okay, now this is not a plagiarized. If if you were to take this and and to turn this on and and, and turn this into me as a paper. And I run this through a plagiarism checker. It's it's not going to come up as plagiarism. It's not going to come up as as any kind of plagiarism as anything like that. But it. So how did you catch the student? Okay, so I so I go to my principal and I say. The I have a kid who wrote a paper. And I've had this this kid as a student for three years, good kid. But I was like, I don't, I don't think this is his writing, but I can't. And I mean, I have a slew of plagiarism checkers that I can plug this stuff in, copy paste it, and I can put it in a plagiarism checker. I have three or four of them. And, and it didn't catch any of them. And it all showed it as authentic. He said, wow, did, and so crazy. this was the first time she said, have you t thought about AI? And I said, what do you mean, AI? He said, look at ChatGPT at the time. Now, this has just been within this year. I was like, what's ChatGPT? He said, oh, you need to get caught up. And he sent me this. So he was at a principal's conference, and there's, so there's this thing that's out there that can catch plagiarism. Okay? So... And so what I and AI the, specific plagiarism or yeah 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 so let it what okay. it looks like and you might want to look at you might want to so let me go over here again let me trans do so let me so this is what Chat GPT just typed for me okay so I copy this and then I go to my little link here where is it at GPT zero okay and so 
I, and so the, and what I did was I did this right here. So I pasted it in here. And it says, get results. And it says, so here's what it says. And it says, your text is likely to be written entirely by AI. Okay. So this chat, GPT-0 then is a, this is a, this is a, how I was able to catch it. Now, I said all that to say this. So right now, there are very, there's a lot of different countries within the European Union that is working towards passing what is called an Artificial Intelligence Act. And the United, the United States calls it an AI Bill of Rights. The United Kingdom recommends existing agencies regulate AI. Users of ChatGPT have filed complaints globally against OpenAI for potential safety issues. Well, not just that. This is a this is a danger to me that I think is is threatening is is threatening a lot of different things within our within our society. Number one, just basic mind power. You know what was that? What was that? Uh, what was that show? Was it called Wally? The Disney Pixar Wally, what the robot? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wally. And and it really, it really woke me up to thinking. Okay, we're going to get to the point where there were these just these fat slobs who are. Never, I'm already a fat slob, but we're we're going to get to this point where we're not going to get up out of our chairs and we're going to just say, "Hey, do this." Okay. That's what they say. So this came full circle for me this week. Last week. So now there is a quote-unquote education company that is out there. And it is offering, it's a service to teachers that you can input a subject or a, you know, a worksheet that you've done. And the AI will, com will complete a lesson plan for you. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, on the surface, when I saw that, I thought, oh, you know, I'll click for, and the longer I look, I, I, I haven't used it, and I'm not going to use it, because the more I thought about it, the more I thought, now, wait a minute. You're a 25-year veteran, and you should be able to create and it really it challenged my thinking just that for a second. It's like you're letting somebody take your own creative flair and do it for you. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, yeah. and and so, I mean, this is another fun thing that I wanted to, to bring up about this was um, on the what was it? The. Oh, I so I I, I asked earlier to GPT to to write a song about my wife. And it wrote a three verse song about my wife. I said, write a, write a song about my wife, Janine. And it started going into this whole thing about, and it wrote a, now, you know, we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking like, uh, you know, queen, you know, material for queen here or anything, you know, they're not gonna do a concert with a song. But 
the idea that now you can create anything with with AI. I was re I said they uh there's been a lot of AI music that's come out. Like I was I hadn't heard it yet, but a coworker was telling me like uh there was an AI system that made Nirvana songs. And he's like, dude, it sounds like Nirvana. Like the way it was like the recording sounding and everything. He's like and that's just one example. There's another artist too and um I've seen some artists kind of speaking out against it for obvious reasons, kind of talking what you were saying about like, you know, here I am a 25 year veteran. Like I should be creative enough to make this kind of thing. And I think it kind of, it can take away from the creativity of it. Like you, now you could be a musical artist. You can create this brand, this business, and then you can have an AI system, make all the music for you and take ownership of it. Mm -hmm. So, so I, we're, Where's that? So you you could set you could set the parameters, and I and I'm and like I said, I just started playing with this today. This is me. I'm you know I have this filter. I have this extension now in my Google, and I have this chat open AI. I mean, and you can sit within set boundaries. Okay, write a specific song about this, 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 and this, and it has to, <laughs> and it could probably create something really good but i mean what is that what's that so what's that doing i mean and you and you kind of touched on this a little bit already but what's that what's that doing overall to the creative process well i don't think it's necessarily anything new i think it's just a different form and what i mean by that so for example look at some an artist like drake so for those who don't know, Drake is known for using ghostwriters yeah. to write yes. some of his songs. Right. What difference is someone like Drake using a ghostwriter to use his music versus using AI to write his music? Not saying he does use AI. I could see him potentially moving that way. But what's the difference? Or not just Drake. Let's say any big artist that has a ghostwriter. What's the difference between them getting a ghostwriter versus hiring AI? You could say, well, the ghostwriter then loses his job, which... That's another topic with AI. Once AI like, is AI, will AI replace jobs? And I think, and I don't know if Musk was one that said this, but I've heard this before, right? Some people who advocate for AI, most of them would agree that like AI and humans need to work together. It can't be one or the other. So AI can, should be used to, um, I guess, help us and assist us in doing the work or whatever it is, but it can't replace us. It shouldn't replace us. So, And where that line is and where that boundaries are set, I think that's what we really need to start taking into consideration. That's why I'm, I'm not usually one for government regulation, but I think there needs to be some regulation here, but it needs to be, I think our congressmen really need, and women need to really do their research on this and, meet with experts and get an understanding of it. Like they still don't even understand cryptocurrency <laughs> and we're expecting them to pass regulation on AI. It's so I, I, I just, I, that's why I'm worried. Like it's such, it's such a fast and emerging market. Well, it's very fast. I, I, we're trying this to is, like catch up on it. This, and it's this just, is, I don't. Yeah. This is technology that's happening. I mean, minute by minute. I, I just asked. I don't necessarily think it's a, a doom and gloom thing either. Like I see, obviously I see where it could go bad. And a lot of people do. That's why a lot of people well, are speaking out on it. 
Uh, and I just are critical of any new technology. So I'm worried of any new technology. So I I asked AI just now, and I'll bring mm -hmm. this up on the screen. I said, "What are the benefits of AI?" And it, the response is this: Artificial intelligence has several potential benefits across various fields, some of which would include number one, automation and efficiency. AI can automate repetitive and mundane tasks, which can free up time for humans to focus on more creative and high-level tasks leading to greater efficiency and productivity. Number two, improved accuracy and precision. AI al algorithms can analyze vast amounts of data quickly and accurately leading to more precise outcomes and better decision-making. Number three, enhanced personalization. AI can analyze customer data to provide personalized recommendations which can improve customer experience and satisfaction. Number four, better health care. AI can improve disease diagnosis, drug discovery. Yes, that's a big one. Treatment planning, leading to better, and we'll come back to that in a second, leading to better health care outcomes. Increased safety. AI-powered systems can monitor and detect potential safety hazards in real time, such as in self-driving cars or security systems. Environmental impact. AI can be used to monitor and manage environmental factors, such as predicting and mitigating natural disasters and reducing energy consumption in buildings. And finally, number seven, improved accessibility. AI-powered technologies can help people with disabilities by providing them with better accessibility options, such as text-to-speech technologies or smart home devices. Now, let's talk about a couple of these here. We let's go, let's go with better healthcare right up off the top. So, already uh, the healthcare industry. This is something that's been going on for a couple of years. Um, IBM has a system, I believe it's called Watson, that is uh, helping doctors in finding diagnose diagnosing diseases and diagnosing symptoms and looking at stuff and saying, okay, here is your list of possibilities. So you have, in a situation like that, I think that, that would be something that's great. If it's going to help you do your job more efficiently, not necessarily because ultimately your, your doctor is your ultimate diag diagnosti diagnostician, they're, they know what the diagnosis is, and they're no, they're going to know what to do. But I think something like that is good. You know, when they said, uh, what was it, increased safety, self-driving cars. So this is not a new thing for Uber. In some of their city markets, Uber has self-driving cars. I don't know if you were aware of that or not. I thought that was so. That's actually out now. I had read they were working it, it on is, that. It is. It is. It is a. I watched a, um, a. I actually watched a reel on it the other day. I don't know. I don't know what city it was, but this guy got. It, he was. It was a. It was a larger market, and it asked him on his phone, "Do you wish to try a self-drive car to your destination?" And the guy's like, clicks on it. And it, I mean, it rolls up. It's a Chrysler. It was a, um, a Chrysler Pacifica minivan. Okay, and so there. So the front doors, the front doors are automatically. You can't get access into. It had a plexiglass panel across where you could not get up there and interfere with it in any way, shape, or form. There. So then there's the. So then there's the screen that's on the back of the seat, showing him the map, showing him where you're going. You know, press here to begin your drive. 
push the button, door shuts, please fasten your safety belt, and you're watching this thing go down the highway, and it was, the guy did it, I mean, it was only like a two-minute video, because it wasn't that long of a drive, but the guy's like, here I am. And then I saw another I mean, one. I saw it, it had another one that was connected to that. And it was these two, I'd say they're probably in their late 70s, early 80s dudes getting in a car. And they were totally blown away that the car was driving them to their destination. So, and Domino's Pizza was another one when I looked this up. Domino's Pizza has right. self-driving cars. You go out to the, so when your pizza's ready, and I, when I was researching this, I looked at this, they'll send you a code that says, okay, your pizza is on its way. When your pizza arrives, you'll get a text message saying your pizza's arrived, and it'll give you an access code. You go out to the car. They've got this little panel on the side of the car. You can't get into the car at all. You punch in your code, and this door opens up, and your pizza pops out. That's crazy. So, but that's a problem though, right? That's that in my scenario, I mean, what I was talking go, about, that's you, a problem. Go because, ahead and tell me, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's kind of what I said earlier. I, I'm skeptical of when it's not us working with AI, it's AI taking over a job because once AI takes over a job, that's a, a job taken away from us as people. And my theory, I'm not an expert of any of this, but if all the rope, if the robots, whatever you want to call them, are doing all the jobs, how do we make a living? Do we just sit at home and get paid by the government to stay here? Like I don't, I, I don't know what the future of that looks like. But what any time you have, yeah, a job from a human being lost to something like that, I think there's a lot of issues. I mean, remember, just look back at self checkout. When self checkout became a thing at like Walmart's and stuff like that, and they didn't have as many cashiers. I think I said that's just one example, but like that's that's what concerns me is that's well that's one of the things that concerns me with it is like if you start if companies start using AI and things like that to cut costs, people lose jobs. What I, are we gonna do? I, is everyone gonna be a robot mechanic? Like what's the well? What's the I've, of that I've like? said this from the beginning. Okay. I remember the first time I saw a kiosk at McDonald's. I was actually it was uh, oh, Easter yeah. of it was Easter of 2016, 16 or 17 because it came up on my it came up on my phone because I made a a Facebook memory of it. And it was it was last week is like 2016. And I took a picture of it because that was the first time I'd ever seen a kiosk. And at this particular McDonald's, and this was this was right off of uh, Michigan Avenue. This was maybe two or three blocks off of Michigan Avenue. And I walk in there, and so here here's the and you've seen them now. Every McDonald's has them now, but back then that blew my mind. I'm like, okay, hit the button, okay, insert your card, take your receipt to the counter to get your order. And that was in 2016, and it was at that time. And that was that was really when the hype about fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage was really starting to catch traction, and to me, you're going to get that what you just mentioned, Travis. If 
if businesses want to stay profitable, but yet they want to keep consumer, they want to keep consumer confidence in that they're going to keep it, their prices at a reasonable level. Okay, so your businessman is going to have to cut their overhead somehow, right? And mm-hmm. so by cutting overhead, what what's the easiest way that you can cut overhead? AI, right? Okay, and not just the kiosk. If we're going to stay on fast food, I'm sure you've already seen they have robots that cook yeah. burgers and all that stuff. Like it's been going on for years now. They've been showing videos of that. It's a real thing. Some businesses have actually utilized it and use it. Well, you you've got the you've already you've already got it. You've already got it at McDonald's. Okay, every most McDonald's. No, I know for a fact the one in Pittsfield has this. They've got a big hopper that you fill up. Okay, and I, you know, this, I'd say this is probably maybe a eight to 10 gallon hopper. Okay. And they put their fries in this hopper, frozen fries in this hopper. Okay. And then every so many minutes, it would drop fries down into a, so you, and you've got your row of, it's got your row of uh, the fry baskets, drops the fries in. Puts it on a conveyor, goes in, submerges it in the oil. Okay? So the only part that is actually human interaction is them taking it out, dumping it, putting salt on it, and putting the fry thing back on the conveyor belt. Okay? That's something simple. Okay? And I've and I've said that and I've said this before. I think there's going to be a time coming when you can have I mean, even a a lunch sit, a shift or a, a supper shift run by maybe, maybe three or four people, maybe even less than that. And the rest is run by your, your AI. Yeah. So I was, um, I was just at Steak and Shake this weekend and they got kiosk at the Steak and Shake now, or at least the one here they do. Mm-hmm. And there was literally just two workers running the whole kitchen and the whole place. And I'm like steak and shake back in the day. I'm sure you remember. Yeah. They used to have like legit servers. Like they come up and like serve you your food and a bunch of stuff. Like they used to give you like menus and stuff, I think. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Now it's like, you just go up and order and they yell at you when the food's ready. And that's pretty, uh, well, and and now they have the, but now, and that's the other thing now too. Um, I can't remember who it was, but I saw, I saw this on, a um it was i don't know if it was branson or where it was at somebody was there was so there's this you order you never you never see a server and you hit this thing and it's like this conveyor belt that brings the food to your table you grab it and that's it and then when you want a drink you you know refill brings it to your table. So now we're going to get rid of waitresses too. And uh, I, again, there's there's so many, and I don't want to badmouth AI all the time. But I want to get back to this bigger picture now. When you talk about, and I was actually, I was at uh, Bryson's where we started indoor soccer league tonight. And I, I was talking to this guy who I've gotten to kind of know a little bit, and he's pretty, 
you know, pretty down to earth guy and everything. He said, he said, I think there, he said, I think there are a lot of benefits to AI. He said, but at the same time, who's on the receiving end? Who's on the receiving end of that? Where's that all going to? Where, when, and you kind of alluded to that earlier. Where's that all, where's that all going to? Where is the, because there ha, there is some, there is some factor of gaining data from someone on your personal preferences and on what you like and what you do. I'm sure that my, my smart home, because it, it knows my preferences. It knows that during the week, it knows what time, and it'll suggest an alarm for me. Huh. She she knows my schedule. She knows what kind of yeah. music she has, you know, and my phone. I, I, will think, say, I don't know if it's AI or if it's like algorithm or I don't know if that's the same thing, but Spotify is... Like I was just going to say that. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, like it, I have been introduced to so many... This, that's one AI I can get behind. If it's AI, I have been introduced to so many amazing bands that just like fits what I'm listening to because of Spotify and like small bands that like would have never got the attention that they would have gotten 20 years ago. Like that's been a, we'll say it's been a great thing for artists as far as that goes, getting artist exposures. Like for instance, like finding these small bands from Spotify, but like that's one positive to it. But if you go back to what I said earlier, remember about how it's also, well, I guess it's not, it depends on how the artist uses it, but it's also writing music, which, again, could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing, depending on some writers feel threatened. Some artists feel threatened by it. Some writers use it. But I well, and so I have gotten and I and I'm the same thing I use with my Apple account. I, you know, there if I go to the radio function, it it says Andy Van Beber's station. And, yeah. I click, and I'll click on that. And some of it, you know, there's some of it that there's 80s music that I haven't heard in a while. I got introduced, and I'm sure people have heard this band before, but I listened to a lot of ACDC and Boston and Aerosmith and Def Leppard. And, and it introduced me to this band a few years ago called Airborne. And Airborne has a song that's called Too Much, Too Young, Too Fast. And it's one of the few songs that I like, but they sound like ACDC. I got introduced to Andrew W.K., which he's he's fairly if you're into you know kind of a I don't know what you'd call it industrial it's not industrial rock but Andrew WK he has a number of songs that I like that I never would have you know I listen to groups like uh, you know when I listen to uh, Skillet which is a Christian rock band I got introduced to a band called Demon Hunter which I absolutely love and would not have gotten introduced to if it wasn't for you know, and I, you know, like you said, I can get behind that as well. But again, my, my thing is, where is all this, where is all this information, where is all this information going to? If we can put on our, let's, let's, we got about five minutes left, Travis, so we can put on our tinfoil hats real quick. Oh, jeez. Okay. Okay. So where is all, so where is all this going to? Where somebody somewhere has to have, would you say that somewhere somebody has to have access to this? Do you think that it's uh, that it's totally unaccessible? That if if I want to be a 
if I want to be a, uh, if I want to market something to Travis Kirkendall and I say, okay, give me what you have on Travis Kirkendall. Do you think that there is somewhere out there that I, if I have enough money or if I pay somebody, they can data mine enough of stuff about you through AI and through everything else that I can market something directly to you? I think potentially it's already happening. Mm-hmm. With, we talked about the algorithm and how it sees what you look at, and that's what it shows you. I, I'm no technology expert, but I don't see how a company can't look up that same data that the AI sees and looks up specifically, hey, this is what – maybe they're not to the point where they can see specifically what you're looking at, but they can also look at your buying history. Mm-hmm. Um, but – yeah, that's that's my thing. There is just if they can, I think companies would use it to. I'm sure they already are to just see what buyers or who's looking and how can they connect to those people. Mm-hmm. So I see it for profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to get real conspiratory, you could say all oh, the government's watching us. But I don't know. Um, well, and I I don't know if I'm that. I'm, I'm not trying I'm, to be a fear monger. No, of your, I'm not. So, <laughs> I, I'm not um, that. I'm not that guy because. For example, however, let's look at let's look at the Patriot. All right, let's all right. We'll throw a tenfold hat. The whole Patriot Act thing that happened. <laughs> yes. If the Patriot Act had happened, let's say, if we had the AI technology we had now, when that all first came out, and they were doing things that um, someone like Snowden revealed. Well, how much? How much more? More? Yeah. How much more would it have been? If they had that capability. Well, I think, and I think they're using, I still think they're using that kind of take capability today because there's, the NSA it does monitor traffic on social media. Yeah, of course. They, they, they look for what they call, they call it, is it buzz or chatter or whatever they want to say that, you know, this is how, like, um, when it's been a, I don't know how long ago it been when they they thwarted a a, a bomb a, a pressure cooker bomb going off in Times Square through through monitoring of fa- so you know now you have AI if you've got AI looking for that and listening to that well, I guess that goes into the safety thing which okay I I could see that but then I think we get into the whole conversation again going to like things such as like the Patriot Act, or what we just talked about two weeks ago, the um, um, TikTok ban, but what's the actual thing? Oh, restrict. Restrict. Yeah, the Restrict Act. I think it's um, it's stuff like that that we have to be careful about because, yeah, AI could totally be used to invade privacy, uh, if you would. I want to, and I want to close up on this. Um, so an author that makes you want to real an author from the seventies who really caught, he's too deep for me, but I don't know if you've, I'm sure you, have you heard of Isaac Asimov before? I have not. No. Okay. So Isaac Asimov wrote a series of books and this was in the seventies. Um, he wrote um, a book that, it, it was loose. There's a movie that was loosely based upon iRobot. Will Smith did this iRobot movie. 
And oh, is that what it was loosely based? It on? was loosely based upon a book of the same name by Isaac Asimov. There wasn't, I mean, there were some similarities, but there wasn't a ton. Um, but he also wrote this book that was called that, that thou art mindful of him. Okay. And that actually comes from a, uh, a, a scripture in, in, in Psalms, in Psalms, but, um, what were, I got to find this quote now. He said, um, within the, within the space of a few months, humans have gone from the center of the universe to looking something that looks a lot like a beta test. Okay. First they, and then he, he goes on, uh, where was the other thing at? But he talks a lot about in this book about how people will start to feel inferior to, to the point to where they almost have to integrate with machines. Now, mind you, this is science fiction. But, you know, this is, and this is kind of during the birth of AI when he's writing this and everything. But I read, a, I read an article of a guy who was doing a commentary on this book. And one of the things that he brought up, he brought this point up, and, and I want to get your thought on this one, but it was very, it was very ingenious comment this guy said. He said, we have all collectively grown up with the knowledge that we are the apex predator. Everyone instinctively believes that homo sapiens with our immense intelligence and remarkable talent for invention have rightly and justly come to dominate the world. We are the kingpin and the boss. The best thing that evolution could have ever created. Bow before our Mozart and Einsteins. That is why many people find AI and technology so terrifying. Suddenly, we're presented with the possibility that we're no longer the best and brightest. In a flash in the 21st century, we have gone from being from the font of all wisdom, fount of all wisdom and creativity, to clumsy apes fumbling with antiquated tools. Is this the idea that forms the basis of one of Isaac Asimov's best stories, Thou Art Mindful of Him. You know, so have we gone from being the apex predator to being, <laughs> you know, the ape? So you made a comment, and I think you were paraphrasing there, where it said, like, humans began to feel inferior to the technology that was yes. coming out, and they yes. wanted to, like... Yes. So I almost see it as, I think we might already be there and, like, we're kind of getting the materialism here, but look at like, for example, people always having to have the next new iPhone, yeah. like having to have that new piece of technology, yeah. the whatever new feature it has, or maybe just to have it or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in a sense, we're already there as far as that goes. Um, damn, I had a good point, but I fucking, I lost it. Um, go, go ahead and talk for a second. I'll, well, I'll come back you know, me. and I so I so I'm I'm going to insert my old guy moment in here just for a second. And I'm not old. I'm you know I'm 48 years old, but I've seen in my lifetime. I, I my dad is terrified. My dad's 89. My dad has seen more technology just blow up. But the new the new technology honestly scares my father because he feels that he is not able to use it. When I, you know, when I go from that computer that I showed everybody before to a Commodore 64 to my first Apple that I had an encounter with was an, a computer, an Apple that my brother had. 
my brother Dave introduced me to the world of Apple, you know, Apple IIc. And the more and more, the first time I played an interactive game on a computer was Oregon Trail, the classic, right? Oh, man, I remember that game. Okay. Well, I played Oregon Trail. That was another one of those computer games I played like 87, I think it was 87 or 88. And then I remember my first contact with the Internet in 1992 at Hannibal LaGrange College. How our computers in the library had, I think, I forgot what it was, T, oh, I forgot what kind of connection it was called. It was basically multiple phone lines running into one trunk that created a semi-fast speed, you know. And then just, you know, from that point in, to when I got my first, when I got an iPhone 3, I'll, I'll, I'll back up. I skipped it. You know, I had the flip phone, the Razor. Then I went to, uh, I bought a BlackBerry. Having a BlackBerry just blew my mind that I could have a full-on keyboard and a computer screen and a little roller. It was a big deal at the time. Yeah. And then when I got my first, I, my first iPhone was an iPhone 3. That was the game changer. Being able to watch YouTube. On my phone. And now, you know, now I have an Apple Watch and it measures my... I think within the next 15... We're going to see technology that is totally going to blow our doors off because we already have self-driving cars. You're seeing them advertised on TV all the time. Well, look at... Uh, this is what I was going to say. Well, going back to, like, the human being inferior to technology or whatever. Look at Neuralink. And what Elon Musk is building with that being plugged right into now, a machine used to potentially yeah, right now it's being used to potentially solve like things like paralyzation or mental uh, handicaps or whatever. Um, but it's also something that could be used to enhance intelligence to someone who's already intelligent, um, making your average person like a supercomputer, basically, you know, like some of the stuff they're talking about doing is just incredible. It's and, uh, to me that's but to me that's frightening. But, but to me that's frightening. It, yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainties to it. That, um, that's on the realm. That's that's on the realm of science fiction to me. I mean, that's on the realm of being okay, a cyborg. Okay. Yes. That, that's on the no, realm. That's on the realm of, and I I heard this from a, a science fiction author. I don't remember which one it was, but it, it, from back in like the eighties, is like science fiction today will become reality at some point you know of course so yeah. great discussion tonight this was it went fat we actually go we don't go over a lot but we went over a little bit tonight but this was a good discussion and uh you know we hope that you guys have enjoyed the discussion tonight um and i'm sure that i'll get plenty of hate mail and everything else when i Throw some clips out there on on TikTok and Instagram. That's look for us on. By the way, look for us on TikTok. Look for us. We actually have a, uh, a. I'll get all of our tags together, but we have a. We're on Instagram. We are on TikTok. We obviously are here on Facebook. Um, but uh, look for some of our reels. Give us some comments on there. If you're somebody new who's listening in, you know, give us the old. As Travis said earlier, give us the old fact check. Check us out. But uh, my name is Andy Van Berber, Travis Kirk, and all your last words. I got nothing. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Well, we thanks, guys, for listening. Week. And we will see you next week.